1: And the last thing, the most important piece, is we're going to take the North and never give it back.
2: City! a part of the next 3 hours I am your voice. This is Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Going to be looking forward to your texts throughout the evening. We will have some great guests throughout the evening. Tech Zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin save Time shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Guests on the show which we will have a couple of them over the next 3 hours. Guests, join us on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not always great about opening up the phone lines because you know I, I get my my shots here and there, you know, a couple times a week or whatever. So I, I normally like to run my mouth and interview some interesting folks. But I promise you, I will open up the phone lines throughout the evening as we progress here tonight as well. So the listener line score listening line powered by betql bet smarter and beat the books download the betql app today or visit betql.com um this is uh this is a day that many of you have been out there waiting for of course because we have finally heard from bears brass and so I will have uh, my thoughts on what we heard from the bears brass I will allow you to share your thoughts there as well also as we get through the evening here I'll, I'll try to get around to uh to sharing some of my thoughts on another just phenomenally exciting and and competitive continuation of the, the NFL playoffs that we just finished up here over this past weekend. And, uh, well, at least the, the conference championship round of those playoffs. And now we know the matchup that will be taking place during the Super Bowl. So certainly looking forward to that as well. But I did mention we're going to have some guests on the show. We're going to talk to Patrick Finley of the Sun-Times. We'll have Pat coming up later on this hour. and We will have the great Olin Krutz, uh Great score analyst here and future Hall of Famer, as many of us like to refer to him as one of the great centers in football history. Olin's going to join me at 8 o'clock later on in the show here. He'll have this opportunity, first time he'll be able to share on the score his thoughts on what we heard from the Bears today and how the offseason has progressed for the guys over at Hallis Hall and uh, with the the news that now in the the official first presser of head coach Matt Eberflus. And general manager Ryan Poles, so you could tell both guys were were excited and eager in addressing the assembled media today. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 their first press conference. It obviously won't be their last press conference, but the first opportunity and to to have the media there in person as well, which I, I was glad a few days ago when the Bears what was it late late last week when the Bears made the announcement that that they were going to have an, an in-person press availability from polls, from Aberflues once those announcements got made, that those were the hires. And so you know, it was good that they were both there in person, in concert, sort of, sort of a, you know, a, a collective show of force, if you will, for each of them because they're going to be partnered at the hip. You know, the, the future of the Bears obviously rests on their – their ample shoulders with the, the three hundred plus pound offensive lineman in, in Poles and the former linebacker in Eberflus. So now they've got an opportunity to to write the upcoming future of your Chicago Bears and the, the process as it's played out here. There, there's still even after today, still some answers that I have uh, just for for not necessarily. I mean, I think some of what we'll continue to to learn about the process itself. I think will be interesting to figure out, but obviously what's most important is what the results will end up being for the bears moving forward here. But you know, the, the fact that that both guys are represented by Trace Armstrong, I thought, you know, it was good that, that the Chicago media, I think it was, I think it was Haw, David Haw, who ended up at least getting one of, if not multiple questions in specifically about that. So that's, that's certainly curious. I think it's it's worthy of note and just to try and hear hear them out on that in the end. If they're both great, that won't matter. frankly, if they're both bad, it doesn't even matter that much. But it is it's interesting and it's worthy of note just in, in being curious who's who's making the decisions here, who's calling the shots, who's sort of you know, if, if Trace Armstrong, who was of course recently rumored to be the guy who was actually going to be, you know, running operations for the bears well you know whatever the job title was going to be was he going to be maybe the gm or director of player personnel or however that part was going to shake out and then he pretty quickly rebuffed those rumors and said nope that's that's not true that's not what i'm doing but then you do have to trace armstrong clients who end up being the two most most powerful you know sort of forward-facing members of of the bears now you got their their lead executive the 36-year-old Ryan Poles, and now the first-time head coach, former Colts defensive coordinator in Matt Eberflew. So I, th- I think it's important to get that question asked and answered. You know, neither one of them was necessarily too interested in in going deep down that road, which is understandable. You know, I, I wouldn't have expected a very deep and detailed answer on, on that. But I think when it comes down to it, that won't matter for for very long, but because the the process and the procedure the Bears have been going through, you, you get to the point. We got to the point during the season here where it felt it felt kind of like you know like a fait accompli. You know that that Matt Nagy was going to be gone. That that perhaps Ryan Pace would be gone. Certainly, it felt like Ryan Pace should be gone. But then you did have some of those rumors circling around that maybe Ryan Pace would would get elevated within the franchise and what could that potentially mean but then it it ended up getting to the point where it was like there was nothing else kind of week in week out day in day out to pay close attention to so the the discussion about the process of of who the next regime would be that's been front and center for a long time now because you know so many of us anticipated Matt Nagy would be gone and, you know, think back to before the season where I know a lot of folks got really concerned by the fact that that Justin Fields got drafted in the first round and not concerned with, with the fact that they made the move for the pick because most folks were excited about the pick, obviously, myself included, as many of you have been hearing really back since Justin Fields was in college and I was covering him at Ohio State uh, on Big Ten radio and television, not necessarily concerned about the pick itself, but concerned for what that could potentially mean for the tenure of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy because of a lot of the concerns that have been there for, you know, the, the one winning season that Ryan Pace had pulled off in his time here for the, the frailties that had been there just in, in Matt Nagy's time as, as the head coach, as the offensive play caller. The fact that the, the team just wasn't progressing under Nagy's leadership. He started off with that 12 and 4 season and then things just plateaued and that that discussion has been there and I thought it was understandable in my opinion because of Matt Nagy's record because of the the potential that was there. You know, it's one thing for because I as many of you know, I've been talking since 2018 even in that division title 12 and 4 season I was talking about things, my observations about Matt Nagy's offense, the concerns I had about it way back then. But he won, and he wanted a high level that first year, and then he had a couple of 500 seasons since then. So I, I wasn't under the impression the Bears should have moved on from Matt Nagy last offseason. But you get through this year, and it didn't improve. It didn't get better. You saw some of those same issues that have been cropping up since 2018 show up again this year. And so now that the Bears were preparing to move on, We've been having the question about the process, and so some of that came out just in, in the media wanting a, a better understanding of some of that. But now here we are, where we have Ryan Poles as the general manager, reportedly the youngest in the nat- National Football League. I certainly haven't researched that myself, but that's what folks are saying. And at 36 years old, I, I don't find that difficult to believe that he is the youngest general manager in the National Football League, first black GM in Bears history, which I certainly find significant. And him, you know, even heard we'll hear. From Ryan Poles, and in, in a few minutes here, you'll be able to hear from Poles and and from Eberflus, uh from their own words, from their own mouths. But you know, he he didn't directly say that there was anything about him being the first black GM in Bears history, book, one of the few black lead executives in the National Football League. And we heard him when he talked about his family, the importance that they have to him, and and him essentially promising to them that that he would still be present for them in this job that will definitively. Requires so much of him, so much of his time and his focus and everything else. I mean, just even even me as as a dad with with one son and a, you know one four year old son and my wife and and everything that I do, you know, between television and radio and the various opportunities I pursue, I, I know how much just being busy can end up meaning when you, when you got a young kid at home. And so hearing him get choked up about that that. That reached me, and you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily one to get weepy about many things, but just thinking of it, viewing it through that lens of, you know, like my, my son's down the hallway right now. I was spending a few minutes just playing because he's four and he's big dinosaur guy, and so we were playing his dinosaur matching game. I just kind of stole a few minutes of, of that just before I came here to do this show for the next few hours and talking to you and talking about the the bears and everything else we're going to discuss here. So that connected with me and and obviously his his family and everyone I've spoken to about Ryan Poles has talked about what a family man he is, what a great guy and a good human being he is. And so not surprised at all that he got choked up from that aspect, but here we are on the on the eve of Black History Month and him being the first general, first black general manager. In Bears history, and I wonder, you know, just if that is somewhere in his mind as well. I would imagine it's probably difficult for it not to be, just as he's been going through this process for a couple of seasons now. And uh and, and knowing, you know, how few black lead executives there are in the NFL, and that being such a prominent discussion around the National Football League, so I'm, I would imagine that's there, sort of in his in his synapses, in his subconscious, probably in his conscious mind as well. But uh. But the guy who, as the, as the Bears actually take the field, who we're going to be more focused on, will end up being Matt Eberflus. And you know, I, I know that you know, on, on this station and a variety of other places, you're, you're wondering whether or not it – if it would have been a better idea, would it have been the, the more – perhaps the more fruitful route for the Bears to, to end up going with an offensive coach. And I had – I've been saying this for a few weeks. So I had very little concern for which side of the ball – the the eventual head coach would end up coming from. M- my concern was more so about what what their track record is. Have they been around winning? Have they been leaders? Have they, you know, whether or not they had held this gig before? And in both roles now, in both the general manager role and in the head coach role, both guys are new on the job, and so that that matters. And then you add in now we're going to have a first-time play caller. As, a, as an offensive coordinator, who they're going to bring in, and Luke Getzey as well. All those things matter. I was around a lot of newness. My rookie year in the National Football League, I was with the Detroit Lions in 2001, and Marty Morningweg was our head coach. Matt Millen was our general manager. And a whole lot of the assistant coaches on that staff were first-timers. We, we had an experienced defensive coordinator, but – some of the defensive assistants, and it felt like the vast majority of the assistant coaches on offense were were guys who hadn't been in the NFL very long, guys who hadn't coached a lot of football, and it showed it showed in an execution on the field, it showed in the way that that we were you know just uh, the, the margins get really really frayed kind of quickly if you're not on top of details if you don't have not just the head coach but if the head coach isn't staying on top of what you would hope would be a quality staff but just has enough assistance in place who recognize what's required of that day in day out grind at at the professional football level so we'll, we'll definitely have to keep a close eye on on how the staff is structured by Matt Eberflus, what it ends up meaning. But it, you know, everyone that I've discussed Matt Eberflus with, they have talked about the, the level of, of detail that he attacks things with. And what, what encourages me about the Eberflus hire is the fact that he, he's been at it for a minute. Now he's 51 years old. So that's not, that's not old for a football coach, but you know, it's, it's not young either. You know, it's, uh, middle age is probably a, an adequate term for what that is in, in football years, but he did it at a high level as a position coach and a coordinator in college and then came to the NFL and became a position coach and has been a quality defensive coordinator in the NFL for a while now as well. So he's, he's been successful everywhere. That's the thing. He's not a guy who, who's who been coaching for a couple of decades and then just happened to catch lightning in a bottle this year or a guy who's super young And hasn't been coaching that long yet and is just showing a lot of promise early and so now everyone's kind of you know rushing to the fore to see how quickly they can hire Matt Eberflus. Matt Eberflus has a long track record of success coaching professional athletes and and that matters. Now you know why is he at this point getting his first head coaching opportunity at 51? Uh, I mean that's and that's up for conjecture. That's you know, there's versions of that question that he was asked today that we'll be able to hear directly from him uh, in a few minutes when we play when me and Studs play some of that sound for you. But I I think it matters so much by comparison to certain guys, you know, like the Bears offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, who's already gotten some head coaching interviews. As concer- like I'm concerned about Luke Getze just being a first time play caller on on what seems like at least so far is is a young and inexperienced staff a first time gm and a first time head coach and now a first time play caller at offense. I told you last week that if it wasn't going to be or actually even this may have been after the Eberfluos announcement was made since it wasn't going to be Jim Caldwell getting the head coaching job, then perhaps and who knows you know how quickly the hiring cycle would play out whether what other opportunities may be there for Caldwell but maybe Jim Caldwell could be the type of name. That could be added, you know, as as impressed as everyone apparently has been with Matt Eberflus for a couple of seasons now going through the interview process as he's been a finalist for a variety of jobs reportedly. And now he he gets his head, first head coaching opportunity, maybe since we would imagine he's going to sort of hand the keys of the offense over to his OC and, you know, if not be completely hands off, but allow them to, to certainly steer that ship largely then how would that end up sort of in- informing the, the way that that OC can communicate with the team on a daily basis? How, how deep will that leadership be entrenched? And you would imagine with a defensive head coach, that means the OC will will be able to run things day in, day out in an enhanced way over having an offensive coach. Like whoever he hires as the defensive coordinator, we're all going to expect, anticipate, even though I love the fact, like I told you last week, I, I hoped that Matt Eberflus would not plan to call the defensive plays, you know, snap in and snap out. And he said that definitively today that that's not his plan. I think that is the best move for him. But for an offensive coach to have a, you know, first-time OC and a defensive head coach, yeah, that, that matters to me. You know, a Pep Hamilton is the type of name that's out there that's circulating, a guy who's had success at a variety of stops, both at the collegiate level and the professional level, working with quarterbacks, calling plays, you name it, Pep Hamilton goes places and quarterbacks perform well when he's there. And that's an example of a guy with more of a, a proven track record than what a Luke Getsey has, who essentially at the NFL level, his success has been in working with Aaron Rodgers. Has anyone ever not had success so far in working with Aaron Rodgers? I think it's fairly obvious why the anticipation would be that Aaron Rodgers and having success with him would be a a little easier to sort of surmise why the offensive staffs end up winning games and putting up points when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. That doesn't mean Luke Getzey won't be spectacular. He, He may be a phenomenal offensive mind. We've never had to really see it on display because Aaron Rodgers is out there audibilizing and calling plays and doing everything we've been watching over the past decade during his career with the Green Bay Packers. So there's a lot lot of first time, even though Ryan Poles has been at this for 13 seasons in Kansas City, youngest GM in football doing that for the first time, and you got now Matt Eberflus as a coach who's been at it for well over a decade in the NFL, but his first time with the big whistle – as well first time being a head coach anywhere so those things matter those things are worthy of concern while at the same time since they didn't get jim harbaugh we're going to get a little deeper into that uh later in the show and they they didn't get and you know i i certainly am, am not a guy who's uh there, there's certain names out there like josh mcdaniels that I, I wouldn't necessarily have an interest in them coaching the bears anyway so there's some names that it made sense for them to stay with with some some names that you know i think i could have some guesswork at why they would have stayed away from them but in the end that they got people with the right resume. And I've been telling you all that the entire time, as much concern as there maybe has been as much talk as there's been on this station and everywhere else about whether or not the bears were going to sort of botch the process. I think that just came down to that's it's because for so long, once the season got away from the bears, people felt like that was all there was to discuss because we weren't breaking down the, the snap in snap out decision-making everyone was sort of spinning it forward to all right. How are the Bears going to go about finding the the next crop of leadership that would come in? In the end, the Bears consistently hire people with quality resumes. They they have consistently here over the past decade plus hired folks who other teams wanted, who had other opportunities. It's a big deal to be the general manager for the Chicago Bears. It's a huge deal to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears. So I never had a doubt. They were going to be able to get quality candidates in here. Now, as this portion, as the true portion of the work begins now that they're beyond the press conference, this is where our eyes need to be most keenly trained on what happens from this point forward. And there were some things that came up in today's press availability that I thought were instructive and perhaps even encouraging about what we're going to see Moving forward, so let me take my first time out, and then I have my guy Adam Studzinski, aka Studs, aka Future Star. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll reference a little bit more of that in details we get throughout the evening here. Also, it's some exciting news that's been percolating around the Score Waves today. We'll get into all those things later on, but I'm gonna take a time out here and have Studs play some of this sound we got from the new bears general manager and the new bears head football coach we'll do that on the other side of this time out and then later on in the show after we talk to Patrick Finley we'll get to to talk to the great Olin Cruz later on in the show but in between those two interviews I'm going to want to hear from you also we'll, we'll get into that because I would love to know what your thoughts are and what we heard today and what may lie ahead for the Chicago Bears so let me get out the way for a moment I'll be right back where we're we'll here from Ryan Poles. We'll hear from Matt Eberflus. We'll do all that next here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We
0: get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?
2: Anthony Heron here, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Big Ant Heron and uh, Adam Studzinski on the ones and twos for me throughout the evening here. So let's go ahead and hear directly from the man himself. We will get a lot of the sound from today's press conference. I know a lot of you have been out doing your thing, been out working. Maybe you've been out driving around. This may be your first opportunity to hear a lot of what took place today at Hallis Hall the first time that Bears general manager, Ryan Poles, and Bears head coach. Maybe at some point we get uh, get used to not calling them new. I had to catch myself. You know what? They are still very new on the job. This is the, the first day they've been available to the media. But Ryan Poles and Matt Eberfus both addressed the assembled media today. So let's start off. I was talking a lot of process and procedure as I opened up with you here a few moments ago. Let's hear – some of the opening statement, the opening thoughts that Ryan Pohl shared as he was talking to the media for the very first time as general manager of the Chicago Bears.
1: There's a lot of people that have been a part of my journey and the reason why I'm here. And I can't name them all. And I apologize for that. But I got to mention a few. Clark Hunt and the entire Chiefs organization. Brett Veach. Andy Reid. John Dorsey. Chris Ballard, Scott Pioli, Ted Cruz, my coaches and teammates at Boston College, and the entire crew at Canadago Academy. I also want to mention a few of those that have reached out to me during the interview process, as well as open the door for future advice. Tony Dungy, Bill Polian, Rod Graves, Kenta Gunter, Lauren Bullock, and Greg Brown.
2: So for him to to know this opportunity to you you can feel that he's he's recognizing and and appreciating the gravity of the job he's just gotten here thirty six years old and you know there there's so many things that we all see different things in people can relate to certain things in individuals that we. You know, we are hopeful about them. Like, you know, I assume if you're listening to this show, you're hopeful that the Bears do well, if nothing else, just because you're a Bears fan. Like, I grew up a huge Bears fan, and so many of you out there care deeply about this franchise. But then beyond that, like for me, who, the the time I spent playing in the NFL, all the, the, the friends and connections and what the NFL has meant to my life back in, in playing there and now just in continuing to cover the league, I, I just tend to want people who... Strike me as good people to do well is one of the things that you know I even spoke about it and tweeted about it a bit after after Matt Nagy ended up finally getting fired because there was no one in this town who was more quick to point out some of the foibles of of Matt Nagy's time here as Barrett's coach while at the same time, in addition to like it's just good for everyone around town if the Bears are doing well that's great they're the, the 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 driving sports brand in the city so it's just great if the Bears are great but beyond that it's I think most folks would agree that when, when someone seems like a a decent person, a decent human being, it's, it's easy to kind of get behind them and hope that things go well for them. So that, that's kind of baked into that as well. And so that's, that's a very relatable moment to me uh, from that. We hear heard there from Ryan Poles, but Procedurally, process-wise, a couple of things that, that he addressed with the media today. One of those, our, our guy Hub asked him specifically about something that we've been discussing a lot. As the next regime came in, was this going to be seen as as sort of a, a rebuild or a reload? And, and Ryan Poles answered that question.
1: Absolutely, do I think we can be competitive. And the beautiful, beautiful thing about football is what we just saw with the Bengals. Um, everyone, once the Super Bowl is played, goes back to 0-0. Zero and zero and has the ability to, you know, improve their roster, make changes. We all know it's fluid on a yearly basis. So we're going to attack it, and our goal is always going to be in contention and, and win games.
2: So that doesn't mean that they're going to take sort of the L.A. Rams approach where they just think they're a quarterback away or a, a key piece or two away and, and throw all the money in the world and, and not necessarily have big concerns for the cap constraints that might be there, what it means for the future. But... Does mean that they're not just gonna start hemorrhaging all their talent and trying to open up all the cap space in the world and you know see how who they can get rid of to accumulate first round picks. I mean it. This according to what Ryan Poles just said. What I, what we just played for you there. That this is a guy who who's looking to win games next season. I think that makes sense. And and that's I think that's that's good to hear because of where it feels like the Bears are at. You do have this window where you got this first round pick as a quarterback going into year two. Justin Fields certainly unproven from any definitive uh, sort of aspect, but I I certainly believe in in the talents of Justin Fields and what he has the potential to be in the NFL. And both guys were asked specifically about that. And Lawrence Holmes, you, LoHo had him had both guys, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, on his show. We'll play some of that back for you in a bit, also specifically their thoughts on Justin Fields. But just just sticking with the the process and the procedure for a moment here it's so one thing that that Ryan Poles was asked about just in relation to some of the concerns that a lot of us have for whether or not he was truly allowed to sort of do the job once he was hired and one thing he he addressed was his thoughts on Matt Eberflue and, and at what point Matt Eberflu actually became a candidate it sounds like according to to Ryan Poles it was right off the bat when the Bears asked him for his list of, of coaching potential
1: when we went through the process, you know, it was a Zoom first, so I was able to give uh, a list of candidates that I really liked, and, and Matt was on that. And when I got here in, per- in person, we brought him in, and the moment he walked in the room, I knew he was the guy, and especially when he started going through his plan. And the big thing to know is, is I, I reach out to a lot of people to make sure I'm lined up the right way. I, I reach out to people that have done it and been successful at it. And every single person said, when you know, you know. When you know you got one, you got one. And I'm a guy that when I have conviction about it, it's time to go. So that's kind of how everything fell into place.
2: And one thing that, that Potsy Mark Prodas ended up asking uh, Ryan Poles about was specifically, there, there was an initial question and then there was a, a follow-up that could have potentially even you know tripped up Ryan Poles, just specific to he, he initially asked Poles about uh, just sort of what he looks for in, in going through the process and, and uh, you know, kind of what he values in, in a head coach and how does he kind of go about figuring out uh, what, what, he, what he was looking for in the head coach. And the follow-up question was specifically about if he felt like a more expansive search and having that opportunity for a more expansive coaching search would have been better for him. Let, let's hear that exchange with Patsy.
1: you were given the opportunity to do a more expansive search, would you have done it? I was given the opportunity. I found him.
2: I love how definitive he was about that. And even if you don't 100% believe it, but there, there's an air of confidence that just goes into being very definitive, very short. And, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily take it as curt or negative in any way, but but it's, it's him sort of putting his stamp on the fact that he was. And as we've talked about on, on these airwaves, the Bears said very publicly, once they hired Ryan Poles, they were very public about, that he was conducting the final interviews with the variety of candidates. And the conclusion he came to was that Matt Eberflus was the, the best candidate to, to lead the Chicago bears. And, and whether or not that ends up being the best route to go, that'll obviously have a whole lot of results that, that go uh, from a win loss perspective to sort of tell that tale. But, Really impressed. Really liked what I saw, what I heard from Ryan Poles. We'll also hear from Matt Eberflus. We'll play a lot of that sound for you as we get throughout the evening here. But let me go ahead and take my first time out, come back, and hear from one of the the men, one of the individuals who was there in person at Hallis Hall today laying eyes on the new Bears brass for the first time. We'll talk to Pat Finley of the Sun-Times next on The Score. Saw you hire an assistant
0: GM there hadn't been one of uh, those in the last regime can you tell us how are you going to structure the front office and what is the role of analytics in in your evaluation of a team and are you going to hire an analytics department or a person or add to it in any way
1: yeah the first the first question you asked with the assistant gm you know i thought it was important to bring someone else in with even more experience from a different place uh ian's background with uh, the, the Ravens and then the Eagles. He's seen a lot you know, under Howie, Ro- or Howie Roseman and Ozzie and Newsom And to add that experience is critical. And then you know the big thing is, I've been in a place with turnover and there's great people in, in every building. So I wanna take the time to evaluate everyone else and get to know them and see, see what we have.
2: You're going to become more and more familiar with the main voice that you heard there, Ryan Poles, new Bears general manager. You're already very, very familiar with the voice that led into that with the question that has been... At the forefront of my mind, on the tip of my tongue, for weeks now, even before the previous regime was relieved of their duties. How do the Bears improve their infrastructure? So, my guest now on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book, is Patrick Finley. That is the voice you heard posing that what I believe is the, uh, the most important, that all important question for how the Bears actually get better moving forward here. How do they sustain? Success, Patrick Finley. Really appreciate you joining me, my friend. How was the uh, How was the event there at Hallis Hall? Did anything stand out? That was any <laughs> different than normal.
0: No, it was fine. Uh, the Bears have done a lot of these lately, so um, nothing. I was telling somebody that it was remarkable, just kind of in how unremarkable it was. Ryan Poles <laughs> had that one line about how we're going to take the NFC nor- or the, take the North and never give it back, but it, that was about the only bluster you heard from either guy and i think bears fans probably have to be okay with that because let's face it if you know saying the right things you know the day you're introduced as a new hire you know if that led to success the bears wouldn't be here (laughs) because the bears have had a lot of these press conferences in which a lot of people have said the right things
2: yeah it's been plenty of talk over the years and i think that uh I I had no problem with the majority of the talking that that took place today the the way that and you, we played the the question as you heard there that you asked specific to to analytics to the the new job that's that was essentially created for Ian Cunningham do you do you take away from that or I don't know if you've been able to do any additional digging in the notion that that the bears will be in a position to that Ryan Poles will be planning to sort of bone up the the Bears infrastructure versus what it's normally been in the past
0: I think whatever he does is going to take place after the draft which is in late April you know typically a scout's year is you know May 1st to May 1st uh, and you uh, and you know you wait till you get through the draft to make some changes there Ryan Poles told us later that he was going to evaluate the evaluators he said that if you ask around the Bears are known for having some pretty good scouts and you know he needs to look at them himself, and also figure out if there's any sort of disconnect between the information the scouts are sending to the home office and what actually gets done. Uh, the implication being that maybe the scouting had been better than the results had been. So uh, I think he'll take this time with this. You know, to me, the, the big question, whether it's you know, asking about a new role in the front office or analytics or, or any of these things, it's just what are you going to do differently? I mean, if the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, you know what are the Bears going to do? That's different than what they've done under Matt Nagy and John Fox and Mark Trestman. Uh, you know, you know, over the last nine years,
2: there has been a, a lot of the same approach. There's no doubt about that. Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun Times on Twitter at Patrick Finley. Uh, Matt Eberflus uh, was the the first opportunity that most folks had to, aside from you know maybe looking up the odd YouTube clip here in recent days, to hear directly from the guy who will be facing you guys at at Hallis Hall more frequently
0: than anyone else. What were your impressions of Eberflus? And I thought uh, I thought he comes from, or I think he comes from the over uh, under promise and over deliver school. Uh, he didn't make any grand statements, you know, even to the point to when. You know, at least at first when we asked both of them about Justin Fields, you know, neither of them fell all over themselves praising Justin Fields. And then only later did they come back and say, well, yeah, you know, he's got all these skills that that we think, you know, he can be special if we get him pointed in the right direction. So, yeah, I, 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 thought, I thought that he was low on Flash, but maybe that's not a bad thing anymore, or you know, especially given... The last couple of coaches that we've had, you know, my question for Eberflus is the same question I have for Ryan Poles, which is, you know, you've never done this before. You know, why do you think uh, you're going to be good at this job? And, you know, with Eberflus, him hiring an offensive coordinator who'd never been an offensive coordinator before only increases those questions in my mind. You know, there's a lot of unknown here and there's a lot of projection that you need to believe in. If you think that they're going to do really well, and, you know, my issue from the beginning was, at least at the top, you know, this is George McCaskey's projection that Ryan Poles will be good. And then Ryan Poles' projection that Matt Eberflus will be good. Matt Eberflus's projection that the O.C. will be good. That's a lot of if. And, you know, maybe they all turn out to be really good at what they do. But right now, you know, it's more of a hope than, than being able to look at what they have done in the past because none of them have ever been in this role before.
2: And the the timing of this, where there's still so many jobs that are open, and there are more experienced and and certainly more prominent candidates who are either getting jobs like Josh McDaniels or or reportedly considering jobs like Jim Harbaugh. So now that we've seen Polls and Eberflus in person at Hallis Hall, you heard from George McCaskey again today. What are your impressions of the the process the Bears went through to get to this point? Was it complete enough? Was there too much of anything not enough of something else before sort of arriving at where we sit today
0: I mean I think it's hard to look at them interviewing 13 general managers and 10 coaches and say that it was incomplete it was probably pretty complete maybe to to a fault I still though would love to know exactly how they juggled the two you know it's clear that the coaches that they talked to um, or I'm sorry, the general managers that they talked to along the way, they got a list of coaches from those GM candidates and that that informed the coaching candidates that they brought in. I mean, to say that, you know, that uh, Ryan Poles was surprised that Matt Eberflus was on the Bears list uh, would be incorrect because, you know, that was one of the names that Ryan Poles gave the Bears when they asked in the first interview, you know, mm-hmm. who, who would you like to work with? But, it's, you know, it, I wonder how it would have gone if the Bears had just, you know, devoted all their resources to hiring a GM, even if it meant that they missed out on a couple of head coaching interviews and then let that GM run the process from the beginning to end. Um, You know, Ryan Poles made it clear today that Iberflus was his choice and his guy. But the fact is there were three finalists put in front of him um, that were collected uh, using a process that did not involve Ryan Poles until the very end. So, you know, that to me would be the big question. Poles made it clear that all three of those finalists were interviewed alone by him and that he was his own man and made his own decision i don't doubt that but i just wonder uh the context of it uh, how that shaped uh, the decision that he made
2: at what point were you guys notified that the justin fields was going to end up uh
0: having an opportunity to address you and, uh, during press conference or during during the press conference uh, we got word that fields might be coming in later and, and i thought that that was telling you know we can sit here and parse what you know, the new guys said about Fields publicly, and I think a lot of it is just not trying to set expectations too high, but the fact that the organization uh, chose Fields to represent the entire group of players, and the fact that the organization knew that Fields is important enough uh, to be the person to speak uh, at an event like this, I think tells you uh, the regard that they hold him in, and it tells you that they know that Justin Fields' performance is going to be the story of the season uh, coming up, and, and and how the new coaching staff and GM puts him in a position to succeed is probably going to decide whether the Bears win or lose.
2: Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun Times with me here on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy The Score. You can find Patrick on Twitter at Patrick Finley. He joins me on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas Hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. And uh, and Ryan Poles did reference today that the the approach the bears would have moving forward would not necessarily be to rebuild. And that's become, you know, such a, such a dicey and, and pejorative sort of word that most folks, even if they go into a rebuild, try not to use the word rebuild anyway. It's kind of a nasty term, but did did you, did you believe him when he said, no, we're, we're trying to win right away. This is not a rebuild.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I did because, you know, there's a world where if, if Aaron Rodgers goes somewhere else, but the NFC North is wide open and you know, in the NFL, you just can't sit back and say three years from now, we're going to try and win. <laughs> but until then, we won't. Uh, and, you know, the Bears don't have a first-round pick. You know, Paul said there's more than one way to to have a pick, and, and I get that. But I don't know this, that if I were in charge, I would be moving to, to sell everything that's not nailed down uh, for draft capital. Uh You know, if you look at the pieces the Bears have, I mean, David Montgomery's got a year left on this deal. What do you think he would bring in? You know, Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, both really good football players. They're owed a lot of money, and they're getting older. You know, what would they bring in? You know, it's a a pretty short list of, you know, people that could bring back significant draft capital for the Bears. And because of that, I I think they'll go with what they've got and, and try and fill in on the margins and try and draft well for the next couple of years. The optimist in me sits there and says, you know what, they have a quarterback who could be good. We don't know that he will be, but he could be. They have two edge rushers. You know, if you've got a quarterback and two guys who can chase the quarterback, it's a pretty good place to start, uh, regardless of where you are in the NFL. And Iber
2: Flucent and coming over from Indianapolis, you know, he he only addressed Luke Getze because that's the only official hire that's been made so far, but it, it does sound like there's going to be several assistants that, that come over from the Colts as well. But I was still struck by by the notion that he, he full on said, we're going to run the 4-3 and I'm not going to call the defense. He, he's been around the block in the NFL for long enough where I don't think he would be necessarily taking some lesson from – what, what I would view as a mistake Matt Nagy made as a first-time head coach, but there's something about him, and I, I may have addressed this with you last week when I think you were on with, with Hub and I, just that I, I think that makes a lot of sense, just to be able to step back and sort of run everything as opposed to focusing on being a play caller on your side of the ball. And how, what did you take away from how, how much of that he dove into just in, in the notion that he will be you know, what might be termed as more of a CEO head coach as opposed to just calling the play-by-play of the defense?
0: Yeah, I found the play caller thing interesting. You know, the fact that you're, you know, he's 51, which it's amazingly is somehow old in this business now to be getting your first ever head coaching uh, job. And, and, you know, I could understand the Matt Nagy point of view, which is, hey, man, this is, my, this is my butt on the line and I want to be the one to decide what plays get called. But uh, I, I thought that was interesting. I thought that that was a smart move. Also, the context was different. Remember, when Matt Nagy got here, he kept an entire defensive staff. You know, Vic Fangio was here and running his own little fiefdom as it is. And, you know, in that sense, it probably made more sense for Matt Nagy to just focus on the offense and let Vic do his thing. That is not the situation here. Uh, The 4-3 thing doesn't surprise me in the least, and I don't think it's that big of a deal. For one, switching from the 3-4 to the 4-3 is an easier path than doing it in reverse, uh, as the Bears showed when Vic first switched them over from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Secondly, people play so much. Nickel and dime now that you know the Bears had four guys with their hands in the dirt in more than half of the plays they played last year. You know if you're going to call it a four three now instead of a three four, that's fine. But I I don't think it's a marked difference uh, from you know what a lot of teams are playing.
2: And Ryan Poles being the first Black GM in Bears history, I don't know if there were, if there were many opportunities. If you guys were you know had like some breakout sessions to be able to discuss anything separately and i i don't necessarily mind as far as i could tell the question itself didn't get asked to him but in his opening remarks which i played back for the listeners uh earlier here he certainly got choked up talking about his family and talking about those who've kind of you know been with him on the path to to get to this point my assumption is that that's somewhere within within his brain i don't know was there an opportunity to to have any breakout and did you did anyone get anything from him specifically just on that, which, you know, through its own lens is, is a historic thing for the Bears who didn't have a great track record of, of you know, diverse hiring, aside from like Lovey Smith being the head coach, but now you got a black GM, you got a black second in command, you got a black quarterback. These are things that certain generations of Bears fans over the years wouldn't have anticipated the franchise doing.
0: No, there was a breakout session uh, with him with our group, and that did not come up. I can tell you that during the George McCaskey press conference, uh, one of the questions that was, was asked, and it was a good one, it was kind of what effect did having, you know, two black members of the five-person selection committee, what effect did that have on them hiring a black coach? And, and George, I don't think George uh, addressed it directly. I do know that, you know, I did ask him way back three weeks ago, which seems like six months ago, uh, what role, what role, uh, you, know, he, you know, he had a role in the, or still does, in the NFL's uh, diversity committee. And I asked kind of what influence that would have on, on his hire. And his answer was that, you know, he was focused on, you know, the process being true and the process being uh, diverse. And then kind of however it shook out, it shook out. Uh, and he would be comfortable with, a, with a, a white GM or a black GM. I think it's super important. And, you know, Justin Fields is going to be the face of this team for a long time. And, you know, provided that he's as good as the Bears think he is, the fact that that face is a black face, I think, in Chicago uh, matters a lot. And, you know, you mentioned it and you said it politely. You know, the Bears in the past didn't always have the best reputation when it came to diversity. Uh, and I know it's important to George. And it's one thing to talk about about it. And it's another thing to act on it. And the Bears acted on it. And I think they acted on it by bringing in the best person for the job regardless of skin color but the fact that that person is black is not insignificant in the least
2: (laughs) i could not agree more patrick finley of the sun times as always great stuff man really appreciate your time hey anytime have a good night All right. He is on Twitter at Patrick Finley. You can read his work at the Sun-Times and certainly a great contributor who's used all over here at the score. Well, we got to – we played a a lot of what Ryan Poles had to say. We'll have more from the Bears GM that will play for you throughout the show as well. And I'm going to get to uh, some open phone lines, but I do want to give you the opportunity to hear directly from the new head coach of the Chicago Bears, Matt Eberflus. We'll take a timeout, come back at the top of this 7 o'clock hour Myself, Studs, will play some of these cuts from Eberflus for you so you can hear directly from the man himself because he will be upcoming the face, the voice of the Chicago Bears leadership. And I know Loho asked uh, asked Ryan Poles a little bit about how available he'll be. I didn't necessarily get the impression from his response we'll be hearing from him publicly a whole lot more than we were hearing from Ryan Pace. But you know we're going to talk to and hear from Matt Eberflus a whole lot, so I'm going to play some of that back for you after we get to the top of 7 o'clock. We'll do that next on The Score.